unlike your ancestors who ate the bread and died. What is interesting as today with the universal church, we celebrate the solemnity of the most holy body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if we look at the statistics that were published by Pew Research, we come to find out that almost 60 to 90% of people do not believe in the true presence in the Eucharist. When we come up to receive the Eucharist, it's nothing more than just a symbol assigned to people. But if we listen to the last part of our scripture and our gospel reading today, and our first reading, we really can begin to wrestle and understand why the Eucharist is truly the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. If I was to sit here and explain it to you, all of it, we would have hours on hours of lecture. So I'm not going to bore you to death in explaining all of it, but what I'm going to attempt to do is just scratch the surface for us to begin to understand and comprehend at least a little bit of what it truly means to be consuming and eating the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we look at our first reading at the end of our gospel, we notice that both our gospel writer and our first reading draws us back to the journey in Exodus. The journey in which the Israelite people were walking in the desert, oriented towards the promised land. But to begin to even understand that even more, I want you to mark that for a second, and let's go back even farther into Genesis. In the first chapters of Genesis, we begin to see and understand that God created the world, and everything was created to be good. But I want to invite us back to our Catechism 101 class and ask ourselves, if God created everything good, God created angels to understand and to know everything at the moment of creation, why did God have to create us human beings? What is the significance and importance? If the world was created perfect, and God had created angels to praise him day and night and knew everything when God created the angels, why did God have to create us? We seem insignificant in that light then. But God created us to know, to love, and to serve God in this life and in the life to come. That is the catechism definition. But to even add a complexity and another layer to it is to freely enter into a relationship with God. He created the angels to give praise to God day and night. But the angels can't choose to love God. He created us human beings with free will so that we can choose to respond choose to love God, and choose to respond to God's love unconditionally. And for that reason, he created humanity with free will. And so he seeks and desires a relationship with us. He doesn't demand and force us to enter into a relationship with him, but he calls and invites us and waits for us every day to seek and to enter a relationship with him. So then now let's get back to Exodus. We come to understand that as our, our fathers were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, they were sent away because instead of choosing that loving relationship with God, they chose themselves. 
God did not then therefore abandon his people till the end and say, okay, you've decided to love yourself. I'm not going to love you anymore. But instead, he constantly comes back and seeks us as humanity over and over and over again. He sends his Israelite, his chosen people from Egypt, from slavery into the promised land because he wants to draw us back to what was promised from the beginning, an eternal relationship with him that is going to last for all eternity. But what do we see throughout the journey, throughout the desert journey? We set other idols before God. We didn't trust in God. We doubted his goodness. We doubted God himself. But he constantly seeks and seeks and seeks us over and over and over again. But that didn't stop God there. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to become man to save us. Because as we understand and we look at the Old Testament, we begin to see more of our human weakness, our human frailty, our inability to respond and to love God unconditionally. Because the God that we love the most is this person called I, me, my. We can't love another person. We struggle to see God in and through others. And therefore, it makes it difficult for us to love God. But he still pursues us. He still seeks us. And for that reason, he gives us his only begotten son to become man, dwelt among us, to walk in human flesh, to illustrate, to walk, to model for us how and what it means to truly love God unconditionally. So unconditionally that he gave up himself to die on the cross for each and every one of us so that we as humanity can return back to the loving embrace of God the Father. But that didn't stop just there. Jesus walked 2,000 years ago. He didn't just want to leave a mark for the people that walked with him 2,000 years ago. His love is meant for all of us until the end of time. So he leaves us his body and blood himself he leaves us himself so that he can dwell so that he can remain with us until the end of time if i told you i loved you without a gesture without an action without something to accompany the words i love you the words i love you mean nothing so when we say God is love, it becomes just empty words that we speak of, that we read out of scripture. If there is no gesture, if there's nothing that accompanies that, we were not going to believe that God is love. So therefore he leaves us himself and dwells in the tiny gold box in every church, which is called a tabernacle so that he can remain with us, so that he can love us, so that he can walk and be a part of our lives every day, so that we can truly and fully respond and choose God's love in our day and every day and every moment of our life. Every time we come to celebrate Mass, we come to really begin to understand where God's love is. We just heard the words of God through our scriptures.
We then together break the word apart and have it enter into our lives. And what then we are about to do next is enter into his Paschal mystery, his life, his death and resurrection. And in a little while, we will each come up to receive his true body, blood, soul and divinity, the gift itself, the gift of love for each and every one of us so that not only he remains in the tabernacle of every church, but he remains in the tabernacle of our soul so that we can carry him to the world, carry that love we are about to receive, we have received from him. And for that reason, at the end of Mass, we hear, go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. To take that word, take what we have experienced, take away from what we have experienced in love here at Mass into the world into everything that we do. So that as we celebrate today the solemnity of the most holy body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're not just celebrating something that is a symbol, a sign, where we come up to receive just this wafer and some grape juice. It's more than that. It is actually his body, blood, soul, and divinity, his greatest gift of love to each and every one of us. So if we're going to really understand and comprehend and really make that our own and live out that Eucharistic miracle in our life, we must seek him daily. We must come to him in the Blessed Sacrament in adoration to pray to him, to be in his presence, to really begin to find out how he loves each and every one of us. Amen.